go. Episode 50 of the Hardline Sports Talk. I am Michael Merlo, joined by John Michael Masiri. JM, 50, the big one. How you doing today? Yeah, half, half century. Uh, I'm good. Uh, a, lot, a lot of news to get to. Can't believe we made it to 50. Uh, here's the 50 more, I guess. Uh, and yeah, beyond, you, st- I, you sound like we turned 50. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm ready to go. How are you, Michael? I'm good. Good mood. Um, lots. I mean, there's so much to get to today. Mm-hmm. I mean, between all the coaching firings, we've got um, the national championship that just um, ended college football on Monday. And, you know, just the playoffs starting, you know, it's a great time to be alive. Um, we also have our list, the top 10 shortstops in Major League Baseball. So pretty excited for this episode. Um, I do want to start with um, the coaching firings, though. There were how many were there? There was like five. I mean, there were like four firings, but there's like five there could be five, five, seven jobs, five firings. So you had Fangio, Nagy, Zimmer, Flores, Judge. And you also have Urban Meyer fired from yeah. the Jaguars and possibly the Raiders job opening. Um, so we're going to talk about the other firings in a minute. We are going to start with the New York Giants. They fired Joe Judge late Tuesday and um, kind of a surprising move just considering the fact that the Giants' um, base, the Giants' ownership, they liked Judge and did not want to fire him. There were reports a couple of weeks ago saying he was safe. His job was safe. The owners wanted to see him for a third season. But, you know, between the press conference after the Bears game and, you know, I think the fourth down, uh, the third down play, where they ran a QB sneak on third and nine. I think this all factored into it and just, you know, the embarrassment. But Joe Judge out, Dave Gettleman, you know, retired. You know, I'm still pissed about that. The Giants should have fired him, but they let him retire. He's gone. So the, the Giants have already started their GM search, but Joe Judge is out as the Giants head coach. Yeah, he's done. Um, you know, this has to be some sort of record now. For, this is going to be their fourth head coach in, you know, six, seven years, whatever it is. Um, so yeah, that's the first time I can remember something like that happening in a while. Maybe Cleveland did it with the Hugh Jackson and all those guys, but, uh, yeah, the giants have definitely, uh, gone through plenty of coaches over the past couple of years. Um, yeah, it wasn't really, I, you said it was surprising. I was more surprised by the timing of it. He made it through Monday. So you started feeling that he was going to last, you know, they were going to bring him back for one more year. And then late Tuesday night, the news came out. So, yeah, I mean, if you told this to a Giants fan or a football fan in general at the beginning of the season, it probably would be a big surprise to them. Um, I mean, some Giants fans were already, I know Michael Kay was ready to put Joe Judge in Canton already. Um, yeah. And there were a lot of fans that had big optimism for this guy. So it just shows that how quickly things can change and uh, kind of unwind. Um, but you yeah, know, how, you know, I viewed this. You watch Friends, and when Ross and Rachel they get drunkenly married in in uh, Vegas, yeah, and they have to get a divorce because you know they're not getting married. And Ross says to her, he goes, "I never thought if I got married to you, I'd be divorcing you." Yeah. If you asked me last season that Joe Judge would be fired after a second year, I would have called you crazy because right. I was one of those fans that really liked him after the first year. I, I loved him. Yeah. I loved his press conference. I loved this whole first season. I was into it. I bought it. So 
it's like the ex-girlfriend that you thought was going to be the one, but something happened and she got away. It's, yeah, I mean, it, it's pretty crazy. With the way the Giants season won last year and the way he was being treated in the media and the, the fans were treating him, with that stacked on top of, you know, you didn't think the Giants would really want it. It would have to be really bad for him to fire another coach, in, you know, after two years. It definitely is a big surprise. But like you said, it, it seemed like week after week, it just kept getting worse and worse with him. We talked about that press conference last week after the Bears game. That was horrible. And then, yeah, like you just mentioned, that that back-to-back QB sneak. I mean, you're you're embarrassing the franchise at that point. The fans have every right. If I was a fan there, I'd be booing the living crap out of them, and they have every right to do that. I mean, that is just – that's one of the most embarrassing things I've seen on a field over the past couple of years for sure. You know, I think what also led to the decision of firing Judge for John Mara was – um, the, the view, you know, outside of the organization. I mean, you have Aaron Rodgers going on the Pat McAfee show and talking about the Giants running a 39 QB sneak. Yeah. Like for, for Aaron Rodgers to be bringing that up, you know, that's pretty crazy. And just overall, I think, you know, w- with the, the way the media ended up viewing him after the press conference mm-hmm. and just after all these different fiascos with him over the past year, I think he real I think ownership realized a, it's going to be tough to find somebody that wants to work with him and get a qualified candidate to be a general manager. And also, you, like, if you were going to keep him, he needed new assistants on the offensive side. So you needed, you know, basically half of another coaching staff. So right. why wouldn't you just start fresh? It, it makes the most sense here to just start fresh and, um, you know, listen, ownership's got a big task on hand now. They have to get this right because the Giants, who, in my, in my opinion, they're embarrassing. They're irrelevant. They're one of the three worst teams in football right now. And if they don't get this right and they, you know, God forbid, in the next five years, you know, they, they hire a GM, they hire a head coach, it doesn't work out. You're looking at more than a decade of being irrelevant embarrassing and you get to the point where you are the Cleveland Browns you are the Detroit Lions of the NFL that can't happen so this is why these two hires here are going to be one of the most important hires two of the most important hires in franchise history right yeah it's a crucial time um I mean I feel if you're a Giants fan it's I feel like if there's a time for there to be a teardown and for you to feel somewhat comfortable about it, I guess this is the time because you know you yeah. have the draft capital. You have some guys coming off the books. It's not – you're not doomed. Next year, get that out of your head. This team is not going to compete next year unless, you know, something absurd happens. Um, but get the coach right. Get the GM right. Get that relationship good. Who's it going to be? Who knows? Obviously, there's names floating around now. Brian Flores is going to be a hot name on the market. Uh, you know, Jim Harbaugh's name is coming up, which – to be honest with you, if I'm Jim Harbaugh, I don't know why I would leave Michigan. But, um, yeah, money. so they have – yeah, obviously money is king. But um, they got everything they need at their disposal right now in terms of uh, draft capital. And, you know, you have the quarterback figured out for now. I think it's still salvageable with Daniel Jones. Um, we saw the way the Giants offense operated without him. I mean, what were they scoring? Eight points a game or something yes. like that. Something absolutely horrible. Granted, Jake Fromm and Mike Glennon should probably be working at Kmart instead of, you know, being a quarterback in the NFL. Uh, but, but you know yeah, what's so it's not the worst time for this to happen. 
No, I agree. I mean, it's needed at this point. And you need a long, you need, you know, one of these rebuilds where you tear every, like completely tear everything down, kind of like the Jets are going through right now. But you know what's the concerning part about all of this? And I was speaking with a couple of our friends, a couple of our friends the past week or so. Glennon last season was with the Jaguars. Mm-hmm. And when he played, he didn't play that much. But when he played, he looked like a competent backup quarterback, right. a guy that can move the football. You know, he wasn't turning the ball over every play. And granted, the Giants offensive line is putrid. So there's really nothing he can do about it. But the fact that it was almost impossible for them to move the ball, the fact that they, you know, needed to run the ball and, you know, basically 75, 80% of the time and only throw the ball 11 times versus the Bears when they had Glennon in there, it's pretty sad what it's come to. And, you know, you you say it, you know, when you have to make so many excuses for a coach, you know, probably time to move on. And, yes, the roster was terrible. We understand that. You know, I believe still that I don't I don't think he was given a fair shot at this just due to the roster constraints, but it was just, it was time to move on. It's it's time to get a fresh start. You know, it's 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 a good thing and to get the to get the general manager and the head coach on the same timeline, it you know, it works out for the best, I think. I really wouldn't be surprised if Joe Judge gets another job somewhere else as a head coach, whether it's this offseason or in the future. I uh, I could definitely see him coaching again because, like you said, I think a lot of people might think, oh, they didn't, he didn't really get a fair shot. He didn't get enough time, blah, blah, blah. Um, they're going to like his resume, the background with New England and everything like that, just like the Giants did. And, uh, you know, you can't call me crazy because Adam Gase got a job after getting fired from the Miami Dolphins. So I think yeah. Adam Gase can get a job. Anybody can. Yeah, I, I, I genuinely do think he's going to get another job. Yeah. Would not shock me at all. He'll go maybe go back to Mississippi, go to Mississippi State, go to back to Bama, go back yeah. to. Uh, no, I'm talking I, I, I'm talking about in the NFL. Though. Oh, I, I know. I think he'll. Yeah, I yeah. think he'll get another. I think he'll get another hard coaching job. Yeah. Like, I think he'll go to one of these schools, maybe go back to um, Belichick. Right. You know, something fix his brand and then and then get back into it. You know, we, we view it. You know, when, when we talked about Billy Epler, when the Mets signed him to be the general manager, we thought, you know, when you looked at his record and his resume from the Angels, it wasn't great. But there was an asterisk next to it because we all knew what he was dealing with with Art Moreno, one of the worst owners in all of baseball. And we were like, okay, well, this guy was holding him back. Right. This guy would step in and meddle in. When, when you look at Judge, you know, something that's going to be next to his name was that he had an absolutely terrible general manager. Yes. That, you know, the didn't give him a chance. He was handed a quarterback that maybe was reached on at number six and he never got to select his own quarterback. So, you know, the excuse, yes, they sound like excuses, but these could, these are also reasons why he didn't succeed. And, uh, you know, I think franchises will realize this. It's like quickly. Oh yeah, you go. It's like, you know, I, I feel like this is a pretty good analogy for it. It's like, when Joe judge comes over and Dave Gettleman's already got this team in place and he's trying to do his own thing, or, you know, when, when Adam Gase comes to the jets and Mike McCagnon's there doing his thing, or, you know, it's, it's like finding a partner, a wife, a husband, whatever, and either starting your own family or you marry in the wife's got two kids already. And you're just picking up where they left off. They're already five, seven, 10 years old, whatever. And you're just trying to, pick up the pieces and do the best you can. And if you ask me, I'd rather start my own family instead of, you know, coming to a situation sure. where 
I got to, you know, get thrown right into the fire kind of a thing. So I think that's the best way for teams to build their, to, to build their teams. You know, I, I feel like the start Jets your own are, family. Don't join somebody else's. Right. I, I, <laughs> I think, I think the jets are doing a decent job of that so far. Um, we'll see what happens, but I think the giants should go down that same road. And they will. Well, it, it's a, it's a little different because Douglas was hired with Gaze. Yeah. And then, you know, ended up working out that, you know, they like Douglas a lot and now Douglas hired right. Sala. So, you know, it, it fell into place very nicely for them. The Giants. Sala, Sala was able to still, it was like basically he was building his own team because, you know, Darnold got shipped off and there were right. a lot of moves. Being they were made. starting to rebuild essentially this season. Like they've been rebuilding, but it, the first one failed. And we kind of went over this last week where that rebuild failed. And now we're like in a new rebuild here. Yes. You know, listen, I, I, you know, I pray to God it works out. And just very quickly, the man that's calling the shots, John Mara spoke today, just very, very quickly. He made some two good points and then he, and a couple of bad things. What number one, he said, um, you know, the giant fans have no trust in ownership and it'll take time for the, you know, the ownership to gain the fans trust back. He's hundred percent, right? Nobody trusts them. I'm happy. He acknowledged that number two, he said, this is the lowest point he has felt, you know, for his team of his team. And it's embarrassing. So I'm happy he acknowledged that. But a couple of things. He was very, um, very short when talking about his um, bro- brother, Chris Mara. Um, you know, people asked him what his role is and, you know, how he has influence. And he kind of got short with, you know, a couple answers. And just he still feels like he's not going to give ultimate control of the new general manager he says he will but it kind of seems like he won't just to, with the way he's speaking right well that's that's not what you want to hear uh <laughs> right so he says it I'm, but he's half-assed when he says it right if i'm a giants fan i want i want to i want him to have as little control as possible you know just like we talk about the mets we want the will ponds when they were on the team we want them out of it as much as possible i think in any sport honestly any team you want the owner involved as little as possible. Right. Right. Cause at the end of the day, why do they own the team? They're a successful business person. They, you know, they're, they have loads of money and they have other commitments. You're a general manager. That's your job. That's your day job. So, you know, a guy like uh, Steve Cohen. Yeah. He owns the Mets and I'm sure he devotes a ton of his time and he's probably got people that he's hired to do his work for him, but he's still got, say in something else and yeah know, a, a flow of money from something else so i don't know he says it all the time he's like i have a day job you yeah know. he loves doing this but he's got a day job you're right i mean this is the mara's day job only the new york giants they don't really have anything else mm-hmm. but they just they're out of touch and and it needs to be fixed immediately listen they have a really difficult job right now right because ultimately yeah, they are the owners and they have to sign the checks, but they have to pick the next general manager. Yep. And that's a huge, huge deal. All right. Enough for the giants. Let's move over to the dolphins. The dolphins fired Brian Flores and what was a surprise move. Things are coming out now a little bit. There was a power struggle between um, the general manager, Chris Greer and head coach, Brian Flores. Um, just a couple of things, you know, Really all relating back to Tua. I had heard today he actually got into a screaming match with Tua Tagovailoa at the end at the end of the season. Um, players love this guy. So it, it's it's kind of strange 
but ultimately um, to Steven Ross, the owner, he chose Chris Greer. And I don't know if I would have made that decision, but um, he did. And, and Chris Greer is a Tua guy. Obviously he drafted Tua. Uh, Brian Flores, while giving support to his quarterback publicly inside the building, he wanted Deshaun Watson, and they, they made it known. And ultimately, the power struggle, he lost, and he's, I think, better off, but he's out of a job right now. Yeah, he, he probably is better off. Uh, if I look at that, who's going to end up winning or you know looking better after this, everything's all said and done, is probably Brian Flores. I mean, I think Tua does have a little potential, but it doesn't really seem like he's ever going to reach that potential that he had when he was coming out of college. Um, but yeah, Brian Flores is the number one name on the market right now. I think he'll easily get a job whether it's with the Giants, the Bears, whoever, the, even the Broncos. You know, there's names floating around. Uh, there's teams floating around everywhere for him. Um, but yeah, the power struggle. Listen, at the end of the day, that's what happens. You can have guys who have great relationships with their players. But when it comes to talking to the higher ups and talking to the, the general manager, the owner, whoever, he could have a horrible relationship. And, and, you know, I'm not surprised by this because there was always something sketchy about the Dolphins and Watson, right? Like we would always yes. hear little murmurs about, oh, you know, the Dolphins are connected to Watson. They're willing to trade this, that. And the owner kind of shut it down. But Brian Flores would kind of always be like, you know, not really going into details on stuff. Say he had two his back, but it didn't really seem all that genuine. And and I'm not surprised to find out now that there were problems. I, I am surprised to find out that he had a screaming match with Tua. That surprises yeah. me. Um, but yeah, I mean, I was genuinely shocked when I heard the news. Um, I, I think a lot of people were. This is two years in, and the Dolphins. They made the play. Did they make the playoffs last year? They didn't, but they, they just fell won. short. They won a bunch of games. Yeah, same thing like this year. They just fell short. And listen, last year, the Dolphins were supposed to be one of the worst teams in football. They were coming off that season where they got blown out by Lamar Jackson week one. And it was like they were limping through the season ever since right. uh, with Ryan Fitzpatrick as their quarterback. They had Fitzpatrick last year, too. So, um, Hats off to Brian Flores for the job he did, and he'll have no problem getting another job in the NFL. Yeah, I agree. And he he helped the Xavier Howard situation yep. a lot. And I think Xavier Howard is going to be gone. That's their star corner. Um, he posted a you know thing of him, a picture of him waving with the tweet that had an X. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna guess he's out. It, it is a tough situation. Um, ultimately, Stephen Ross, the owner, uh, he didn't want to sign off on a trade for Deshaun Watson unless he settled all of his legal cases and Deshaun Watson was not ready to settle. So therefore he wasn't going to make the trade. Uh, that's, that's what I had heard. Deshaun, uh, the Dolphins were the only team really Deshaun Watson officially waived his no cl- trade clause to. Right. I mean, and he wanted to go for Flores understood, you know, you're, you're the trade that it's going to take to get Watson. You're going to have to give up a lot of future draft capital and, and, you know, you're pretty much, throwing all your eggs in the Deshaun Watson basket. So if I was going to do that, I'd want to make sure that this guy is going to be okay. And, you know, of he's course. not going to be banned from the league once I trade for him. So I get that. Um, so I kind of get both sides, to be honest with you. Do I think that this had to be a firing? No. Am I inside closed doors hearing what conversations go down? No. But, you know, from the outside looking in, I don't think it necessarily had to go this way. Right. From the outside looking in, and, you know, we don't know what goes on inside the building. 
But if you had to choose, right, wouldn't you choose Flores over Greer? Like, yeah, don't I you would. trust Flores enough where you say, okay, Flores, you're going to help us bring in our next general manager. You're the coach of this team. We really like you. You've done a fantastic job. You're the guy. I mean, listen, you look at this Dolphins roster. It's not that impressive, to be honest with you. I mean, One they of the worst some, offensive lines of football. Yeah, they got some good, some decent names, young talent on the team. But you look around in terms of names and just overall personnel, you are – you're looking for stars. You know what I mean? Like, they yeah. – the, the wide receivers, pretty decent. You know, there's some nice weapons on there. You have your Mike Gesicki's and your Jalen Waddles and your Miles Gaskin. Every, but none of those guys are really popping off the page. And, yeah, like you said, the offensive line, not great. The quarterback, not great. The defense is pretty good. But, again, no crazy big names. You got your Xavier Howards and whatnot. So, I think he did a really good job. I was very impressed with Brian Flores. And, yeah, I would have picked him over the general manager. Yeah, I think so, too. And, you know, like we said before, I think Brian, I think Brian Flores is going to find himself in a better situation than he was with the Dolphins. You know, I, I, I kind of brought up a couple of days ago, you know, could the Broncos be a, a destination for him where he goes to the Broncos who already have a good defense? Similar situation. Similar situation. You're in need of that star quarterback. Yep. And if Deshaun Watson, if, if you're Deshaun Watson and you want to go play for Brian Flores, that's your guy, makes perfect sense. So yep. if, if that's the direction the Broncos wanted to go in, <laughs> that would make a ton right. of sense. So I'm right. sure they're going to. They're going to interview him. And speaking of the Broncos, they did um, fire Vic Fangio over the weekend. That came on Sunday. I think he's a good guy. I think he's a good defensive coach. Um, And he's going to be a hot name on the defensive coordinator uh, list. He's going to get a job, obviously. But, you know, he kind of sounded desperate in his press conference saying, well, look at what I've had to go, you know, look at what I've had a quarterback versus who's in my division. He's 100% right. And when you've had Teddy Bridgewater and Drew Locke as your quarterbacks and, you know, other names, I don't even want to bring up. I don't even remember. Joe Flacco. Yeah. Brett Rippon. Yeah. All these guys that. When you're a quarterback last year. When you're facing Justin Herbert now for the second year, when you're facing Derek Carr, who was a competent franchise, you know, right there as a franchise quarterback, when you're facing Pat Mahomes, it's not easy. So. I think he'll do, I think he'll get another shot eventually. Yeah. As long as he doesn't age out. But um I mean that's a, that's the day guy. and age we're in now. You know, it's you look at the way uh Vic Fangio, the job he did in Denver, you look at that resume over the last two years, you know, they're seven and six this year. They lose the last four games of the season, they play in the best division in football, probably. Yep. Um, and you know, they they collapse at the end of the year, but you say, you know what, he didn't really do that bad of a job. You look at, you know, the quarterbacks he's had to deal with, like you were just saying. But that's the day and age we're in now. If, if you know, there's no time to waste. If it's not working, then it, it's a quick trigger. You're, we're, there's no more, let's give this guy four or five years, figure out and see what he could do. No, I mean, we got guys, David Culley's name was, was on the, he was on the hot seat and he just finished his first year. They might fire him still. Yeah, they still might fire him. Uh, I mean, Urban Meyer, we know how that went. That's a little different off the field stuff. But that's what happens nowadays. And I'm surprised. I am surprised that Matt Rule still has his job. So am I. I thought they were going to fire him. Yeah. But 
I think uh, when you Especially, look at what he's dealt with on on offense, though, nothing at quarterback. He's had his best weapon go down. Like this is his last year, obviously. Yeah. And I think he'll get fired because I don't know how much they can improve in the next you know off season. Like I don't think they're going to improve that offense enough to where they're a playoff team. So I think he's going to get fired. And if that was the case, if you had a mandate on the next season, you probably should have moved on. Crazy though. Again, another guy that I thought just had no chance of being, you know, fired after two years. Right. Like, yeah. I want it. I wanted him over judge. Obviously. I mean, we didn't know who Joe judge uh, was, mm-hmm. but he came from uh, I, Chicago, right? Um, Matt rule. Oh, Matt rule. Okay. Yeah. I thought you were talking about Fangio for a sec. Yeah. Matt Rule was – I remember I was interested in him when the Jets were looking for a coach when, when they hired He Gates. wanted the Jet job. Yeah, and he didn't – he stayed one more year in, uh, at Baylor. I remember yeah. reading the, the Jets wanted to hire his assistants, and he was like, uh, no. Yeah. And he went back and then eventually went to uh, the Panthers and got a – Seven-year contract, a crap ton of money. Especially after the Panthers uh, fired uh, Joe Brady, I thought. That quickly. Yeah, I thought Rule was gone. But you never know. You never know. Um, Mike Zimmer fired. uh, Rick Spielman, the general manager, fired. That was expected. Uh, Matt Nagy, Ryan Pace, the general manager as well. They are both fired from the Bears. Um, I mean – Sucks to play in Aaron Rodgers' division. Yeah. All these well, years. I think Ryan Pace definitely uh, outlived his contract. Yes. He definitely got all the time that he could possibly get in Chicago. Should have probably been fired two quarterbacks. a year, not two years ago. Yeah. It's very rare you see a guy get two shots at drafting a quarterback. And, you know, we don't know what Justin Fields is, but they gave up a ton to go mm-hmm. up and get Justin Fields. So, first of all, you better hope that works out. And second of all, you like you need to get this right because the Bears have really never had a legit franchise quarterback. They haven't. So you traded up, you know, what is now the seventh overall pick in you know 2022 now to go get this guy. You you gotta figure it out. And I'm not a Justin Fields fan, so I, I don't know. We'll see. But for Bears fans, man, I, I hope they figure it out. And I wouldn't be surprised. There's two teams where I think Jim Harbaugh, if he was going to leave Michigan, it would be a possibility. Number one would be the Raiders, and number two would be the Bears. I, I think I think those are two possibilities for, for Jim. Yeah, I mean, the Raiders, at what point do you – I'm blanking on the guy's name. What's their Rich Bisakia. Yeah, at what point do you kind of give this guy a little shot? I mean – what an incredible job that he's done in getting this team to the playoffs. They've, they've beat some, they beat the Colts. They beat the chargers. They've beaten some good teams late in the season to get to the playoffs. Um, and I'm sure they'll interview him, which is a bit weird because he has the position right now, but they'll give him a proper interview over the off season when they're looking for their head coach. You got to seriously consider this guy to stick him around though. The, apparently the players love him. Yeah. And if that's the case, then maybe you should, you know, figure out what you're going to do with the assistants and, you know, let him hire some guys, have some input. But you're right. I mean, it could be a possibility to, to keep him. Mark, I, I keep blanking on the name. Is it Mark or Al Davis Al right Davis. now? So Al, Mark Davis is dead. Yes. Wait. And right. Al Davis is the owner right now. He's a, a whack job. So no, Al if, Dave, wait, Al Davis is dead. Mark Davis is. That's what um, I thought. 
Okay. Mark, yeah, Mark Davis. Davis has the worst haircut known to man. He has a terrible haircut. He's an yeah. ugly mm-hmm. mf'er. He he's a crazy dude. So it wouldn't shock me if he. I mean, clearly he just shelled out ten million dollars a year for for John Gruden. It wouldn't shock me if he shelled out another eight to ten million dollars a year for Jim Harbaugh to come over here and be the coach. So I think that's really one of the only you know situations in which he leaves or the Bears. He has ties to the Bears. He used to play there. I think he's from over there. So I'm not sure if he's from over there, but I know he played there and he has like ties to the bears. Yeah. So like, those are like two situations where I see Arbonne leaving, but yeah, I mean, you're right. I mean, at what point do you say, you know what, Rich, you're the guy. Yeah. Listen, I'm telling you, we were just talking about the Raiders. I think they have a real good shot this, this weekend. So do I against Cincinnati. I, I really, I think they have a good shot and you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna come out and admit this now because I think it's it's about time. I have been maybe one of the biggest Derek Carr haters over the past year, two years, whatever. Really? I am at that point where I think I'm ready to say I was wrong. He is I mean, some people are going crazy saying he's more valuable than anybody else to their team in the NFL. Like, okay, okay relax. Um, but he he played his ass off on uh on Monday or Sunday night. And, you know, he's, I think he is very valuable to that team and he's a really good leader, great locker room guy, you know, I th- and can, can throw a good football. I think Derek Carr is definitely one of the, I'd probably put him top 12, top 13 quarterbacks in the NFL. You can win with him with, with a, with yeah. a good roster around him. I, I, I truly believe that I've, I've believed that for a while. I've been a Derek Carr fan. Um, he seems like the the like you said the greatest teammate, the greatest person. I mean, I listened to a couple of interviews after um, the Henry Rugg situation and the John Gruden situation with emails, and just the type of like the type of guy he is. Man, he's very close with John Gruden, yeah. like very close. They live next door to each other. That's how mm-hmm. close they are. And when that all happened, he you know he went over there. And he consoled him and he was with him and he did an interview and he said, you know, I love that guy. And he says he needs somebody in his corner. I hate the act he did. I I hate what he did. It was, you know, disgusting. And he knows he's wrong. Right. But like, you can't just abandon the guy. Right. And he's right. And the same thing with Ruggs. He's like, you need to be there for him as bad as it is what he did. You have to be there for him. Yeah. He seems like a fantastic yeah. human being I, I and a mean, guy that you do anything for. It takes a lot of balls to do that, especially the society we live in where cancel yeah. culture and everything like that is so, you know, it, it's it's so strong now. Um, yeah, it, it, it takes a lot to come out and say something like that. So I'm sure he's loved by his teammates. He's loved by that organization. And the Raiders got like a little – a lot of adversity this year and they've made it and they got that little, you know, Cinderella story thing going for them right now. So, you know, even Imagine. with that taken out of it, I just look at this matchup for them against Cincinnati. Uh, I think Cincinnati is a good team, but I think they're vulnerable. And I, I think if Max Crosby is being as disruptive as he was on Sunday night, I think they have a really good shot at winning, winning on Sunday or Saturday, whenever the hell they're playing. That's Saturday. Um, let's go right into it. We're going to talk about the playoff matchups we've got. Um, I agree with you. Um, I believe that the Raiders are going to at least cover the spread. I think it's five and a half points. I think they're going to keep it close. Yeah. Actually, do you want to talk about – let's just talk about the, the game very quickly with the Chargers. 
mm-hmm. since you did bring up the Raiders. That, that's a good segue. So the, the Raiders, obviously, they beat the Chargers. In one, I, I honestly think this isn't getting enough credit. I think it was one of the best regular season games in a while. I think it was the game of the year. It was the game of the year, and it was one of the best regular season games we've seen in a really long time. I, wa- so, I watched that game from start to finish, probably one of the only Sunday night games where I did that this year. Right. And, yeah, I mean, just thinking, what, what other games are candidates for that, for game of the year this year? Week one, Bucks cowboys was very good. That was, that was a good game, but that was better. The Raiders game was better than yes. that. Um, uh the Rams Niners game honestly was pretty good. This that was yeah. a good the week week eighteen that was good. Um, I'm trying to think off the top of my head. I can't really think of anything right now. I know I'd have to. We have to go. The back. Ravens um, Steelers. The Ravens were involved in that go for two at the end. You know the Steelers were in a lot of close nail biting games this year. That Patriots um, Patriots Cowboys game was very good. Yes. I'm trying and, to get a top-rated game. Oh, so, uh, Bills-Titans was really good, that Monday Bills, night game. Bills-Titans was very good. I, I happen to think the Bills-Patriots games were both yeah. good. I, I liked that um, very cold-weather type game. Right. So, you know, the Giants uh, football team, week three, that was a very good game. Week two, whatever that was. That was um, a really good game, yeah. But yeah, I mean, I to me that's game of the year. The, the only other one I could think of is that Chiefs Chargers game when they went to overtime. Kelsey, Scott yes, that was really down. good too. That was really good. But the Chargers, <laughs> they've, I feel bad honestly. The Chargers have had some heartbreaking losses the past two years, like bad. I think it's been a little longer than two years. Yeah, Let's just explain it very quickly. The Raiders beat the Chargers 35-32. Um, they kicked the game-winning field goal. They could have let the clock run out at that point. You know, the Raiders got the ball first, kicked the field goal. Chargers went down the field, kicked the field goal. 32-32. Um, Raiders get the ball back like three minutes to go. They're running the ball down the field. They get to the 50-yard line. It's like 30 seconds left. Staley called the timeout. He wanted to change the personnel on the field. Next play. Like 15, 20 yard run, kick a game winning field goal with three seconds off. That I didn't even explain the fact that with three minutes to go, the Chargers were down 15 points yeah. and had converted on like six fourth downs. They had know, like a 16 play drive or something, right? Yeah, 19, I think it was 19, 19 plays, yeah. seven, 75 yards to tie the game. Unbelievable. Herbert, you know, just showed how fantastic he was. But I want to tell you how crazy the field goal was. So, obviously, we know now if there was a tie in that game, both teams would have made the playoffs. The Steelers would have been knocked out after the Jaguars had beaten the Colts and the Steelers beat the Ravens. If there was a tie in the Sunday night game, Steelers out, uh, Chargers in, Raiders. If there was a tie in that football game, the sports bucks would have lost hundreds of millions of dollars. Because people bet the tie. People yeah. also parlayed the whole scenario. Yeah. And the odds were crazy. So people weren't risking a lot and they were getting paid out a crazy amount. Yep. And the sports books would have been down crazy. It would have been one of their worst weekends, they said, in a few years, of course, on the opening weekend in New York. Right. Which would have been fantastic. Yeah. But we were we were so close to taking them down. We didn't. Carlson hit the field goal. 
they win. So it was it was pretty crazy. I mean, I think they had a bad weekend overall, but um, yeah, unbelievable. I mean, if there was a tie, I would have stopped watching football or sports in general because simulation. You know, it's a simulate exactly. There was, you know, how many ties do we see a year? One, maybe two. And the fact there's, there's 256 or whatever games a year in the NFL. And the fact that the last one this year, the last one would have been a tie. Yeah. That, that would have been absurd. And I, I can't, people were talking about doing a kneel off, but at the end, that's kind of what might've happened. But Brandon Staley called that timeout, which was definitely questionable. I, I mean, even if, you know, take away the tying scenario, just trying to win that game, that timeout doesn't, it doesn't really do anything, honestly. You only had two one time out left, whatever it was, and they got the first down. So I didn't really get it. But yeah, uh, if you don't know Jalen, uh, if you don't know Justin Herbert is a problem yet, wake up because that man, that's a bad man. He is one of the zip that he has when he throws the ball. It's unbelievable. He is one of the most accurate quarterbacks I've seen at that level in the NFL to your second year in the NFL in a really long time. I mean, he is fantastic. If I'm a a Raiders slash Broncos fan, I'm depressed right now because you have to deal with Mahomes and Herbert in that division for the next 15 years. Listen, he, I think he's going to be better than Mahomes. Like I think we're going to be talking about this guy is the best quarterback in football. That's how good he is. I, I, I love statement. So it's not, it really isn't. So can we get I, all the I, good I quarterbacks out of the AFC, please? This is just enough. stupid at this point. Keep it. Keep it. You got Rogers is on his way out, you know, from, I don't, I, I think he'll be in green Bay next year, but in terms of age, he's on his way out in the next couple of years. Brady's Brady. going to be retired in the next couple of years. We think, I mean, he might be 50. In mm. football. And then Russell Wilson's getting up there in age. The AFC has, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, Pat Mahomes, Justin Herbert, Joe Burrow. Like, can we, can we relax, please? No, you're you're good. You, you can keep them. Um, we don't need any more over here. We'll send Russell Wilson your way to the Steelers. How about that? Ah, oh, thanks. You see what Big Ben said today as we talk about the Was playoffs that real? here? Yeah, it's a weird statement to make. He said, you know, something along the lines of. You know, nobody really expected us to be here. We're probably the 14th best team in the playoffs, and we're double-digit underdogs. So let's just, you know, basically we're going to wing it. You know, nobody expects us to be here. Nobody expects us to win. So he's taking that underdog mentality. But it's weird. Like, you know, you're you're admitting you're the worst team in in the playoffs. Did you see what Najee Harris posted on his story? No, what did he say? Um, He posted explicitive what – I'm sure you could figure out what that word is. Um, yeah, and I think he deleted it like really quickly, but I don't. I think it's real. It's it's pretty funny. You should look at it. I'll send it to you. That's that's crazy. Yeah, I don't now, know. Like, why would you say something like that? Like, you could say all you want. We're the underdog. You know, nobody expects us to win. You could say that. Yeah, but to say you're the worst team in the playoffs. You know, admitting, you know, that yeah, maybe you didn't even deserve to be there. Like, what are you doing, yeah, Big I, Ben? I mean, listen, I understand you see the the posters or like pictures going around. Um, Big Ben's retirement party, uh, Kansas at, at Arrowhead Stadium at uh oh my God. 15 on Sunday. That's funny. I, it's pretty funny. I mean, listen. Yeah, I mean, 
I think that's the, the big, this is probably the biggest lock of the playoffs in terms of who's going to win that I can remember. You know, Definitely you want to hear something really, you want to hear something really playoffs. funny? What? Teams that I saw this trend on TikTok today. I'm a big trend guy when it, trend guy when it comes to betting. Teams that are like have a negative point differential in the first round are not only five and zero against the spread, but five and zero straight up. Wow. Yeah. In the I wild, think about to, I think they're about to be five and one. But then the other trend I like says bet a team that didn't cover, you know, the week before against a team that did. The Steelers covered, Chiefs didn't, so you bet the Chiefs. So it's right. I don't know. I don't know where I'm going there. There's but, too many. Uh, there's too many stats in your head. You got to get it out. I know. It's just take the you know the easy one that they just d- destroyed them. Right. Uh, very quickly, we've been going on for a little while here. Football. Um, I'm very excited for this 49ers Cowboys game. I don't know where I'm going yet, but I think it's going to be a very, very close game. I'm gonna and I'm gonna say this. I joked around with your brother before. The 49ers are not a good matchup for the Packers. I think that would be an interesting game. I've in heard the NFL, that. Yeah, in the divisional round for the Packers, if the 49ers can pull off this upset. Yeah, I mean, the Niners are kind of that team that you don't want to play. If that's no. that's kind of the way it seems like with a lot of these wild card teams. You have the Niners and the Eagles. Two of them have two of the top three, five offensive lines in football. And then the running game. No, the quarterback's not great, but yeah, good running game. The defense is pretty good. Um, So yeah, they could, those two teams could be candidates for upsets. I don't think the Bucs are going to lose to them. I think it might be a decent game, but I don't think the Bucs are going to lose. And yeah, this Cowboys game is going to be interesting. The NFC the Rams Cardinals and the Cowboys Niners game. I am still very torn on. I don't know who I think is going to win. Um, but yeah, Green Bay, if I'm Green Bay, I think the number one team I'd want to play besides the obvious, like, you know, I'd want to play the Eagles. Um, I'd say Arizona that I would take my bet with. I would want to play Arizona if I'm Green Bay next week. Agreed. Or Dallas on the road. They're a different team at home than they are on the road. So I'd, I'd want to play Dallas on the road as well. The 49ers, not a good matchup. They run the ball. They get to the quarterback. Nick Bosa he had a fantastic year um, coming back from the ACL. be interesting. I'm, I'm very excited fun um, fact, for, the, for that game. Fun fact about the Packers. So they've lost, was it, four uh, NFC championship games now in a row? Something like that? Not not consecutive years. Yeah. Um, the last four NFC championship games they've been in, they've lost – the team they lost to, they also lost to in the regular season. There's no team in the NFC playoffs right now that they have lost to. So, could be their year. They we'll beat say. the Rams. They beat the Cardinals. They beat the Niners. So, they haven't played the Bucs. That 49er played. game was a candidate for game of the year as well. That was a great game. Yes, that was a very good game. Um, so, I hope we get, you know, we haven't had that many, like, fantastic games this year we've had good games but you know it's been you know pretty tough for us to think of really great games off the top of our head right. maybe we're just gonna get a bunch of them in the playoffs that'd be nice right that'd be really nice i'm so excited for this super wild card weekend that's gonna be something else i know i'm gonna be working saturday but i'm not like i'm not too upset that i'm missing the raider bangle game i'll be good for the this game i want to talk about the patriots bills game it's going to be freezing again, like really freaking cold. It's going to be – and do you, you see this now? I've seen this for a few straight weeks. 
Josh Allen throws the ball so hard. Like that's difficult to call yeah. the catch in the cold weather. Oh, yeah. I'm starting to lean toward the Patriots are going to go into Buffalo and beat them. Um, I wouldn't base my decision off of that. I mean, obviously that's going to play a factor, but you know, well, I just the think... weather, like just the weather in general kind of like benefits right. them. Um, it's going to be a really good game. I mean, this is the rubber match. The Patriots went into Buffalo, beat them. Buffalo went into New England, beat the Patriots. So I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be, I'd imagine, a pretty low-scoring game, but you never know. Um, real quick, I want to. I want you to – I'll start off. I want you to give me your ranking, though, for what games are you most excited to see and what games are you least excited to see. So my number six is easily Steelers-Chiefs. Um, right. Number five is Bucks eagles Four, raiders Bengals. Three – tough decision. Three, I'm going to go Cardinals-Rams. Two, I'm going to go Niners-Cowboys. And one, I'm going to go Bills-Patriots. I agree with you at the top two. Yeah. I, I'm so excited to see this Patriots-Bills game. Yeah. Um, number six, I would say it is – oh, yeah, like you said, Steelers-Chiefs. Uh, next would be for me, probably Raiders, Bengals. I'm intrigued for the Eagle game. Okay. Because the, the Bucks, Bucks defense, the Bucks are banged up and they haven't stopped the run like they have. I think the last like month or so, if you, you know, if you took those stats and like went, you know, through a whole season, I think it's like the last, it's either the second half of the year or like the, the last month of the year, their run defense has been one of the worst in the league. Right. So I think the Eagles are going to be able to keep that close. Then I would say I'm not really looking forward to the Ram Cardinal game. I think it's going to be a sloppy game. Okay. And then I, like the top, top two, you said. Same top two. Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't know. Uh, I think the Bengal game will be pretty good, but the, like you were just talking about with the bucks, the bucks, they're pretty banged up and that defense is not what it was last year, but you know, like uh, the NFL isn't played on paper. It's about who plays well in the playoffs, so they could catch fire at any point. But it's not as dominant as it was last year. So we'll see. I'm seriously starting to consider putting a wager on Bucks Chiefs Super Bowl on rematch. Yeah, I really hope the Bucks don't make it again. That'd be like the last thing I want. Really? Yeah. You know, I'm a big Brady guy. Yeah, I know. I wouldn't mind. Well, it. if the pa- the Patriots win this game, they play who? Titans. Depends who if, wins, if but the most Raiders likely the Titans. Win. Yeah. So I think the Patriots, if they beat the Bills, I'll start getting scared that, you know, they're going to, they might make it to the Super Bowl because I, I don't know. I think the Titans are going to get bounced out in the divisional round. Depends who they play, but. Really? Yeah, I, I'm not crazy about the Titans. I'm, I'm I like the Titans not. a lot. I'm still not. Like, I would be surprised if the Titans made it to the Super Bowl. And I know that's crazy to say because they're the one seed and they only, they have to play one less game and they have home field and everything like that. But I, I think the, the Chiefs are better than them. I think the Bills are better than them. And I think, you know, the Patriots can probably go toe-to-toe with them and, you know, the Bengals or whatnot. But I'd be surprised if they made it. I'm starting to really like this Titans team. I don't know if Tannehill could play the way he has the past couple of weeks. I, I really think they have a shot. Mike Vrabel should 
get serious consideration for coach of the year too. I think he's going to get coach of the year. Yeah. For now that Staley, now that the, the Chargers fizzled out, Staley's out. Who else would it be? Um, Zach Taylor. Yeah. Decent shot. Um, I you know what's really funny? I I had a bet on I had a bet on Staley to actually win yeah. coach of the year at plus like fifteen hundred. They made the playoffs. You might have cashed out on that. I know. McCarthy. I, I had that ticket in my. I have that ticket in my room. I forgot about that. <laughs> um. All right. Is it list time? I yeah. We're gonna take a break though. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. So we'll be right back. We're gonna. That's enough of football for today. We're gonna talk college football when we get back after our list top ten shortstops. After this. The S&E Podcast Channel, the perfect channel for any style of podcast. We have all different pop culture style podcasts for all of your listening needs. If you would like to start a podcast, you can reach us at sndpodcast at gmail.com. We are always looking for new podcasts to add to our channel, and the topic could be anything you want. So contact us now. Here we go, episode 50. We are back, the Hardline Sports Talk. We're going to start off with baseball here. We're going to do our lists, top 10 shortstops. Coming into the 2022 season, uh, you know, this is a stacked position. Uh, You know, I think we both were kind of surprised with the list, the names we got here. I think it was the best one so far, right? Just based on names and and players throughout the top 10 and a couple of guys left off the list. Yeah. I'm going to start off today. I'm going to start with 10. This one hurts. I got Francisco Lindor at 10. Mm -hmm. I wanted to move him up. And listen, by the way, if this guy shot up to six or seven this year, which I honestly think he will, because I think he's going to have a big year, wouldn't shock me at all. Obviously, I'm I'm predicting it. But based off of last season, and I'm taking a little bit of 2020 into account, 10. He didn't do anything special. His second half was good. And at a 132 WRC plus in the second half. So he he obviously played great defense throughout, even though his struggles. I mean, his first half, I mean, his first half, he hadn't he had under a 500 OP or 600 OPS under a 600 OPS in the first two months of the season. It was a brutal start. That's why his numbers look as bad. He did figure it out toward the end of the year. But that brutal start really killed him, especially with his numbers. I think he'll be better this year. His defense, you know. His defense is still – it was great the whole time, which was impressive. So, Francisco starts us off at 10. Yeah, uh, you're not you're not fun. Like, I, I, I'm trying to have fun with this list and, you know, be a little different, and, and you're not fun at all because I – No, you football. thought – you thought that I wasn't – I was going to have him higher. I thought you were going to have him a little higher than that. Uh, but, yeah, Francisco Gondor is number 10. I've been um, real. I'm trying to be real here. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, when you have a bad 2021 like that, I'm going to look at your 2020 a little more, try and see, you know, do do, do you have some backup for that? And his 2020 wasn't great either. So listen, Lindor, I'm not just saying this because, you know, if people want to come out and say I'm a Yankee fan and I'm being by blah, blah, blah. I don't care about that. I think he's already, he's always been a little bit overrated. I mean, I don't think he's ever had an OPS in the nine hundreds and, you know, you don't need to do that to be a great shortstop. I mean, it's a, it's the most important defensive position in the game. And, you know, it's it's not somewhere where you expect a lot of pop out of. But if you want to be considered 
a top 10 player in baseball, which is what people were calling him when the Mets traded for him last year, believe it or not, not everybody, but some people, um, you're going to have to do that. And he's never really done that. And you know, the, the, the year he had last year, like you just talked about, not great, better in the second half. He basically was what he has been in his career in the second half last year. Um, you know, what was eight low 800s to mid 800 OPS, something like that. Yep. Um, so, yeah, I think this is a good spot for him. Uh, 2.7 F4, 103 WRC plus. So pretty average year last year for him uh, from the offensive side of the plate. And there were maybe I could – I thought about Javi Baez for like a split second, but I've never been the biggest Javi Baez guy either. And when you look at the numbers still, Javi Baez has been inconsistent as well. So I like 10 for Frankie. Yeah. I considered Baez too here and I, I didn't go with him. Um, I've been very critical of Javi Baez. So I don't, yeah. I don't think it would have been fair to put Javi Baez here. Um, all right. Number nine. If we have the same list again, I'm gonna be so mad. We're gonna have to do something. Yeah, <laughs> we're gonna have to start we're fixing really, it. Yeah. All right, I got Willie Adamas at number nine. All right, good. Uh Willie Adamas got traded over from the Rays to the Brewers uh, early in the season, and he went over there. And at one point, he was their MVP. I remember people at, at one point in June or July calling for this guy to get MVP votes. Yeah, he went over there, started hitting, and he was a big, he was a very um, big player for them. Very important reason why they ended up they they started off the year a little slow. They ended up getting it going with him, especially offensively. Um, had a one nineteen WRC plus a four point one WAR. Very good, very very good season from him. Um, just couldn't figure it out in uh, Tampa, but goes over to Milwaukee and was a really good player. So. Maybe he's really found his home and, you know, can continue this. I think he was a little inconsistent in the second half, but, you know, he's a young player still. I'm scared for you because I honestly don't know who in the rest of my top 10, because Willie Adams did not make my list. I don't know who you left out, but I'm going to have a problem with it. Maybe it's this guy, my number nine, Trevor Story. He would be, Honestly, before this season started, I was considering him top three up to even one, believe it or not. Um, he's a guy who's been really freaking good in Colorado. I, I'm, I would be very pleased if the Yankees sign him this offseason. Um, 3.5 F4 last year, 100 WRC plus. Had about, I think, exactly an 800 OPS. Uh, had a down year last year, but five-tool player, can steal bags, good defender. Um, you know, maybe he has a little course field effect when he leaves. I hope not. But Trevor Story has been a fantastic player in the MLB for a long time now. Kind of underrated, honestly. Um, number nine, Trevor Story. Who did I forget? I, I don't think I forgot anybody. I really didn't forget anybody. I thought I, like, I, mean, I didn't put Baez on the list. If you put this these two guys on the list, I'm gonna have a problem. Okay. No, I didn't. What? All right. Well, we're just gonna have to wait and say. Okay. Number eight, I've got Tim Anderson. Uh, Tim Anderson has been slightly overrated. Uh, I think that's pretty clear. He does. He doesn't walk at all. Oh my! I just looked at this. Four four percent walk rate. 
And that, that's that's not great. But he had a 120 WRC plus last season, a 4.3 war, pretty solid defensively, added a little more pop um, last year to his game, and he's a high average guy. His on base is low. His on, he batted 309, but his on base is only 338. Um, listen, solid player. I think eight's a good spot, and he's an important part of that uh, White Sox team. Yeah, you definitely forgot somebody. And, you know, at the end, I'll allow you, when you figure out who it is, I'll allow you to make a change. And when I post the Instagram graphics, I'll put it up there for you. Because you know, we're Was all it human. somebody that was hurt? We're all human. We make mistakes. I don't know, but we're at that point because you just said Tim Anderson. He was the last guy where I would be like, if you left him off, like, okay, I'd accept it. Oh, if I you, see who I forgot. If you leave off here, I'll let you. I'll let you bump down Lindor or Adamas and say your next, your real, you know, start from there. Now, insert the guy that you forgot. We can do it right now. Who is it? Who did you forget? I forgot Seager. Yeah, I knew you did. Yep, you forgot him. So, and that's the only one I think. Yeah, that's it. I forgot Seager. So. We'll leave Frank him out. Is off the list. We'll leave him out for now. Tomorrow, you give me the new list with Seager in it, and we're good. Um, um, he's high on this list, too. Yeah. So, my number eight, Tim Anderson as well. Um, 4.3 F war, 120 WRC plus. And, you know, he the war number is 4.3. That's pretty good war. And he only played like 125 games last year. So, he put that over a full season. That's around a sixth war. Um, I like Tim Anderson. He's 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 broken out. He broke out in 2019, and a lot of people thought it was a fluke. And you know, maybe he wasn't really going to project into a great player. And he's doubled and tripled down on it. He's just proven that he's not a superstar, but he's a, a star. You know, he's an all-star level player that I'd love to have on my team. And he can really do it all. His defense isn't amazing. It's not bad. And I think it's, it's gotten better over the years and he can steal a base. He, he could basically do everything for you. So he's got the swag. That's always a plus. I oh, like yeah. Tim Anderson at number eight. No, but you, you make fun of Lindor for having the swag. Well, he's, you know, I don't know. He's just Francis Lindor. I made my change. All right. I want to edit the list now though. Okay, then do it. Restate your top ten now. Did you kick Lindor right, off? Did I'm taking Adamus off. I'm nah, taking no, Adamus off. Yeah, look how weak you are. You didn't have the balls to take Lindor off. You just. That I'm taking Adamus off, and I'm going with Tim Anderson at nine. Eight would be Trevor Story. Okay. Okay. And now seven. I'm to seven now, right? Yeah, you're at seven. Seven Bobachette. Okay. Bobachette, obviously of the Toronto Blue Jays. Very, very good player. Young and exciting. You want to talk about swag. I I love me some Bobachette. To pull up his numbers right here. Bobachette last year with a 4.9 F4. I think we can round that up to a five. 122 um, WRC plus. Okay, defender, but a great offensive player. Drove in a lot of guys last year. Steals bases, 25 bags. Um, got the pop. I, I, I really like this guy. He's how old is he? He's very young. He's son of uh, what's uh, Dante Bichette. 
Dante Bichette. I was going to say Dante Bichette. Uh, 23 years old. Good luck with that in that division yeah. with Vlad Guerrero. Yankee You're killer right. already. Yeah, he is fantastic. You know, when I watch him, I always, whenever I'm watching him, he's hitting line drives. Mm-hmm. Like not even, you know, just you always a- hitting the ball hard. I'd love to see what his hard hit rate is. Yeah, he's got a really nice swing, too. Um, my number seven, I got a guy who had a holy crap rejuvenate your career year, like everybody on the San Francisco Giants did. Uh, Brandon Crawford, I have as my number seven. Um, and I'm okay if you want to put him higher on your list. Uh, I did. I mean, he finished fourth in MVP voting last year, 5.5 F war, 139 WRC plus. He's always been and a fantastic defender. And then he stacked on top of that a great offensive year last year. I'm going to keep him here though, just because I don't expect it to happen again next year. I could see another nice year out of him, but I don't think he'll finish top 10 in MVP voting. Um, and you know, the, the previous couple years, he wasn't even, con- you would laugh if you put him in your top 10. So I, I really liked the year he had last year, obviously, but I'm going to keep him at seven. Okay. I respect that. Um, at number six, I went with your boy Xander Bogarts. A boat Bogarts Brutal. sign. What? Brutal. Well, you think he should be higher? Yeah. This is number six. I mean, yeah. He got some really good players ahead of him. All right. Brandon yeah, I got. I thought I thought six was a good spot for Bogarts. What happened? When Brandon Crawford over Xander Bogarts after one good the, year, dude had point three yeah. more WAR. Their Bogart's been good three years in a row. I'm a big fan of Brandon Crawford. I always have been. I understand it was like a breakout year, but I, I think he's going to have, I mean, not, I mean, listen, it'd be crazy to think he's going to have a similar year, but it's still, like you said, a solid year. And we'll reevaluate after this season. Fair enough. I mean, I have to base all, I mean, I have to base a lot of what I saw from last season. No. I mean, Xander Bogart's, has been one of the most consistent hitters at this position. You know, probably you put him in the top three in terms of consistency. And no, I'm, I'm looking at it right now. He's been fantastic. Yeah, I just... 33 home runs in 2019. He hit 11 in the 2020 season. He hit 23 last season. He had a 6.8 war in 2019, a 5 point in 2019, a 5.2 this year, a 4.9 in 2018. I mean, you're right. He's been an absolutely fantastic player. But he's six. But he's six. He could be five next year. I mean, I just read everything. 23 home runs. um, Drove in 90, guys. I'm surprised. I mean, he stole bases early in his career. He's not really stealing anymore. He signed a weird contract where um, he has an opt-out, I think, after this year now. Yeah. And when he signed the contract, it was like, eh, not really, you know, what you would think for him. He was, you know, really bursting onto the scene. And then he had these last couple of years, and now he's set up for a big-time payday next year, I think. Yeah. Um, my number six, I have Bo Bichette at six. Um, okay. Yeah. We just talked about him. Stud, Yankee killer already, going to be a problem for a while. Uh, also, I think he steals a couple bags every once in a while. He's, he's a pretty athletic guy. Um, Boba Shea, yeah, 25 bags last year. Yeah, de- I could definitely see these offensive numbers getting going higher and higher year after year. Um, like we said, he's only 23 years old, but Boba Shea's my number six. Yeah, number five, like we had brought up before, I have Brandon Crawford. Um, 
I mean, he had a really, really good season last year. He got MVP votes. He, I mean, he's a wizard defensively. He's fantastic. Uh, and the power numbers were there. And I, I think that's what's going to keep him relevant for, you know, a couple more years. He kind of found that power stroke. So I think, I mean, he had a career year with the home runs. He, he, this is the most he had is 24 in his old career. The only time he came close was when he was 28. He had 21 home runs. So I, I think he'll, he's kind of found this in his game. And I think he's going to have a nice year. A 139 WRC plus a very, very good season for Brandon Crawford. And like I said, he got MVP votes, yeah. which is pretty crazy. Yeah, no, he had, he definitely had a really impressive year last year. Um, my number five, I got Corey Seager. Uh, 3.7 F4 last year, 147 WRC plus, which is really, really high. Um, you know, this guy's he could be two on this list. Um, but you know, stay he he's had trouble staying on the field the past couple of years. Uh played around 90 to 100 games last year. Uh has dealt with injuries over his career so far. So just got a big, big payday in Texas. Um, he'll be playing shortstop for them or third base. I don't know what they're going to do. They got, they got uh, our boy Isaiah Kiner Falefa, who's also a free agent. But I mean, who the maybe they'll bring him back. Him? Maybe they bring him back. I mean, how much money they got left? Um, mm. So, yeah, Corey Seager, number five. Um, one of the best hitters at this position, easily. Yeah, um, it wouldn't shock you at all. I mean, really, if he had a fully healthy season, he's my number four. Um, if, if he had a fully healthy season, would it shock you if if this guy was two or even close to one on this? Sh- it wouldn't shock me if he was the AL MVP. You know, right. he's he's a stud. He's a fantastic hitter, um, and they paid a lot for him. But the Rangers, but the injuries are much. Yeah, and I think that scared a lot of teams away. Not the Rangers, good for them. They spent three hundred million dollars on him. And uh, we'll see what happens. But Corey Zegers is four. Still a young guy, too. Um, 28 this year. He's going to Number be. four. We were just talking about him. Xander Bogarts of the Boston Red Sox. Um, yeah, I mean, there, were, there was one point this season people wanted to put him one, that he was having such a good okay. year. I mean, I would never put him there. But you really, you look at his numbers, you just went over them. He's year after year putting up these big war numbers, you know, uh, all the he's putting up homers, high average RBIs, OPS is up there. So definitely one of the best offensive guys at this position. Um, The defense has gotten better. Not great still, but not bad either. Um, Xander Bogarts, number four. Very nice. I like I listen. I have a six. I really like Xander Bogarts. Like there's nothing. You know, I guess so. I, I really like him as a player. Uh, number one's three. a lock now. This is it the same order? Because I be... almost went a little kinky. Yeah, so did I, but I didn't. I, I... I didn't either. Okay. Uh, I got Carlos Correa, number three. Uh, free agent Carlos Correa had a huge year, 5.8 F4. Um, hit 26 bombs. Health is an issue for him as well. And, you know, that may be scaring some teams off. You know, he's had back issues. He's had, you know, trouble staying healthy, playing full seasons. He played 148 games last season. Um, I think that's the most in his career. Uh, no, 2016, he played 153. But after that, nothing really close to that. Well, the next highest was 109 in 2017. I mean, 110 in 2018. Sorry. So tough staying healthy, but he's a fantastic player. He's going to get paid a ton of money from somebody. And uh, we'll see what I, I, I honestly, you know, we, we've kind of forgotten about it. I don't know who's paying him that money. 
Like I, I genuinely don't know who's going to give him that contract. Yeah. Um, who knows? Maybe he's unsigned for a while, you know, like he maybe yeah. makes it into the season. I don't know. Um, the Yankees are definitely in play for him. I don't know how much they want him. They're in play I don't for think story. That's a good, I really don't think that's a good idea for the Yankees. I mean, yeah, I, I think know. story makes so much, so much more sense. Right. I don't know how many years I'd give this guy, you know, he's had, like you said, he's had problems with injuries. Um, and man. a back injury at 20, he's going to be 27 this year, a back yeah. injury at 27. So he's my number three as well. Um, he's been inconsistent over his career, but when he yeah. is playing to his potential, he is a superstar. No doubt about it. 5.8 F war, 137 WRC plus. He's clutch. He's a fantastic defender. He can easily transition to a third baseman as he gets later on in his career, like A-Rod did. Reminds which, you a lot of A-Rod. Yeah. Um, I remember when he was coming up, that was the comparison for him, A-Rod. Uh, yeah, Carlos Correa, wherever he goes, he's going to be a really good player if he stays healthy. Uh, if it's the Yankees, sure. If it's Houston, maybe. It's not Detroit anymore, which I thought was a the Yankees' biggest competition. but I thought it was him. a lock for Detroit. It wouldn't, would it shock you if they went back at it or no? Like, you don't, you don't think they're interested at all Maybe put after Baez signing Baez. Second or put him at third, but they got Candelario. Eh, I don't, I don't think so. I don't think they would do that. I mean, if it comes back to them where I love talking free agency, I mean, oh my God. Yeah. Um, if it comes back to where he's unsigned, this is, you know, people don't want to give him that money and they come back and maybe the price is where they kind of thought originally it would be. Do right. they do it? I don't know. Maybe, I mean, listen, I could see this definitely being a Manny Machado situation, right? Who was talking about Machado going to the Padres in the beginning of that offseason? Really nobody. Who's um, going to be that team that comes out of nowhere? Oh, yeah, maybe there's that John Heyman's trademark, that mystery team that comes yeah. out and actually signs him. I could see that happening. Um, who would that team be? Maybe the Cubs. Cubs? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> there you go. Maybe the Cubs have interest in him. Um, maybe Seattle. I know they have, you know, J.P. Crawford had a nice year. For you have the money to year. spend. Maybe Seattle. Um, yeah, so wherever he goes, I don't know. But I know who your number two is. And you, Let me do two and you could do one. I, yeah, I know. I wanted to put him one, though. I did. I almost did the same thing that you did, but go ahead. And this guy's haunted me for a really long time now. Yeah. I mean, he's he's a fan. I'm so happy he's out of the division. Yeah. Trey Turner uh, is number two. I mean, you could, I mean, like we said, we tried to we tried our best yeah. to put him at number one and we couldn't. But this season was was crazy. I mean, you looked at the 2020 season and he hit 12 home runs and his career in 59 games and his career high in 162 games was 19. So we kind of saw the power go up big time. He had a 588 slugging. And then this season just went berserk, hit 28 home runs. He had a 536 slugging. He played in 148 games. Um, I mean, listen, he's he's a good defender. He steals a ton of bases. He's one of the fastest, if not the fastest guy in baseball. Yeah, no, he's literally 6. the fastest 9, guy, I think. 6.9 F4, an unbelievable player, a guy that, you know, was getting considered, you know, for an MVP. He got traded, obviously, from the Nationals to the Dodgers in the Max Scherzer trade. I mean, come on. it's 
He's so, so good, and he's turning into a, stup- a superstar right in front of our eyes. Yeah, he definitely deserved MVP consideration this year. And, you know, I'm sure if you ask, if you do a GM poll uh, around the league, he's going to be right at the top of the list for who out of anybody in the league would you want on your team because he's got – he's probably the definition of a five-tool player. He's got positional yeah, – Right flex- now, yeah. He's positional – he's got positional flexibility – um, he's the fastest freaking guy in the league, and now he's added power to his resume. So, yeah, he's definitely scary. Um, I wanted to put him one, but you can't put him over Tatis. I mean, no. the numbers for Tatis, another guy who almost won MVP. If he played a full year, he probably would have. 6.1 F4, 156 WRC plus. Absurd. Um, this guy is one of the best hitters in the league. He is going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer at the end of his career. If he stays healthy. If he stays healthy. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I can't. He wasn't. This wasn't like the other positions where like Vladdy was first baseman. That was a lock. Jose Ramirez. That was a lock. This one was like kind of a lock. But if someone put Trey Turner one, I wouldn't be like, you're an idiot. And right. I, I almost did it. I really almost did. It. I wanted to. But I could. He's unbelievable. I mean, 42 home runs in 130 games. Yeah. He's a – people don't realize – and people, you know, a lot of fans were like, oh, all you do on the MLB account, all you do is post tattoos. There's a reason. Yeah. He's one of the most exciting, if not the most exciting player in all of baseball. Mm-hmm. So I, I got to see him play um, when um, – they came and played the the Padres came and played the Mets at City Field, and I saw three at bats, you know, with him against Degrom, and it was unbelievable. I mean, it, it really it was like best on best, especially at that time. It was early, it was in June, and it was it was great, and the place was crowded. He draws a lot of attention, a lot of fans. He's a special player, and I'm excited to watch him for the rest of his career. Um, I just thought, what do you say? So we're doing this segment right until we do all the positions. How about at the end? We do a little like top ten, everything. Like, who's you want to add pitchers like, into that or top no? ten players in the league? Yeah, we can add pitcher. I mean, it's always hard to assess that. Yeah. If you want to leave them out, if you want to do just position players or whatever, but because I'm just th- I was thinking like where the you know Otani. Are we going to do designated hitters? I don't really think so. I mean, there's only ten, there's fifteen designated hitters in the league. You know, or right? Top ten designated hitters. So maybe we'll do that at the end. Um, we could do that. So Tani's going to be like top three at that point. Yeah. All right. Summary time. Lindor 10, Story, Anderson, Crawford, Bichette, Seager, Bogarts, Correa, Turner, Tatis. I thought you were a a Willie Adamas guy for whatever reason. I thought you were going to have him. No, I I thought you had a nice year last year, but I wouldn't put him on this list. All right. I got Lindor, Anderson, Story, Bobich. Chet, Xander Bogarts, um, five was uh, Brandon Crawford, four, Corey Seager, three, Carlos Correa, two, Trey Turner, and number one, Francis, um, Francis, Fernando Tatis. Yeah, you wish. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, very quickly before we wrap it up, let's just uh, give a shout out to the Georgia Bulldogs who did finally slay the dragon on Monday night. They beat Alabama. 33 to 20, 20 to 18, excuse me, 33, 18 in the national championship game. Kirby smart 
for the first time in his career, beats Coach Saban. Um, he was an assistant under uh, Saban. That's really been known for a while. But both coaches were fantastic after the game. I mean, they had a mic over there after the game. They shook hands for like 20 seconds talking. Um, you know, uh, Saban had said to Kirby Smart, you guys kicked our ass in the fourth quarter. And then Kirby Smart um, asked about Jamison Williams, um, the wide, star wide receiver that did go down for Bama in that game. But I, I think that's really when it changed everything. When Williams went down and, you know, we both had money on the game. I had Georgia. You had Bama. I felt when Williams went down, unfortunately, I, I liked my chances better. Yeah. A lot better. Mm-hmm. Um, it, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, first of all, I think he'll still, he'll be all right. He'll be a top. Oh yeah. He'll be a first round pick. Um, but thank you, Alabama for losing my friend money. Not me. I'm not, I'm not 21 yet. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. my, my good friend, uh, yeah. thanks for losing him money. Um, not me though. Yeah. I'm surprised. I really am. I mean, we've heard year after year, you know, oh, is Georgia going to take down Alabama? And I thought we both discussed it. We were very torn on this national championship compared to years past. Uh, this was really a toss up. Um, people were surprised that Alabama was underdogs. I was too. This was definitely one of those like Vegas plays uh, where they want the public to feel that way. And it ended up working for them, but good for Georgia. Um, Jameson Williams sucks ACL. He'll probably miss time next year. Uh, he'll probably play at some point. I mean, I don't know. Some guys recover really quick. You got Cam Akers came back after tearing his Achilles in like August, which is unheard of. Achilles is usually a year. It didn't seem like, like we saw the injury and they did slow-mo and you saw something pop. Yeah. I don't know if it, there's a difference with like you say torn ACL, you know, if you say torn ACL, it could be a 75% tear in the ACL and they have True. to go repair it, or it could be a 5% tear right. in the ACL. I mean, and they you, have to hear, repair it. you hear stories about guys tearing their ACL and they say, Oh, they almost had to amputate the leg. And you're like, what? Yeah. And then you have, well, other guys, yeah, they would call that a rupture of the ACL. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a genius. I, I'm, I'm oh, sorry, Mr. Doctor. I'm Red Cross certified now. Oh, me. right. Yeah. Uh, first aid. Nice. Yeah. That's all. Yeah. If I was choking, I saw you coming at me to give me CPR. I'd probably just, you know, Die. Die. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> but Boy. yeah, I mean, obviously there's different injuries for every, you know, everybody recovers differently or whatever, but good for the Bulldogs. Um, man, every time this happens though, I always wish like, what would it be like if I went to an SEC school, the freaking the way the, the culture's down there. And I have a friend, a buddy who goes to Georgia. He, he used to go to school with me, he transferred, sending videos they're throwing traffic cones and just oh i saw those going absolutely crazy um you could transfer yeah you don't think it's too late no nah, you're good nah. maybe st john's wins uh the the big east championship one day we'll uh you go crazy like that yeah um but just very very quickly on the game and then that's all the time we got really for today um, one of the reasons why the main reason I believe that Georgia won was because of the def- the way the defense played. They held them to field goals all game long, mm. and then they got pressure on Bryce Young. And we I, I said it, if you get pressure on Bryce Young, you're going to be able to affect him. You'll affect the game. He's a young kid. He's a small guy, too. 
and pressure has affected him all year. He's going to have to work on that, being bre- being better, getting out of the pocket, not making mistakes like that. They blitzed him all day long. So I, I, I just thought it was a fantastic game plan from Kirby Smart. That was the best front seven we've seen in a, probably a couple of years, honestly. Yeah, and uh, this was their year, and they deserved it. Yep. And I think down goes the tide. Down goes the tide. And I just would like to say to any SEC team or anybody that has to play them next year, I'm very sorry for you. Yeah. Because I would not want to play a pissed off Nick Saban. Yeah, who just lost to a team. Yeah. Nice. I wouldn't. That wouldn't. Yeah. I mean, again, pissed off Nick Saban. Assistant just beat him in his own conference. He's. He's got he's, he's probably a little mad right now. Yeah, a little bit. The throne's been taken from him. But um, that's all the time we got for today. I'm sending you my list right now, so I don't forget to do it later. Okay. But um, I don't know when the next episode will be. But um, listen, gambling in New York now, if you're of age, be careful. Have some uh, 1-8778. It was 8778. Hope NY. Yeah. That's the thing. And uh, we'll, we'll pick, give our picks. Uh, on Instagram for the yep. wildcard weekend. Yep. We'll continue those. I'll continue my domination. Yes. <laughs> uh, we got to add them up. I don't know what it is. I am assuming you won, but we stopped. Keep, I stopped keeping count after like week 10. So did I. We're going to have figure to figure really it out. Go through it. Yeah. I'm nervous. Yeah. All right. We'll talk to you guys next time.